There is a podcast that lies between the imagination of two simple-minded earthlings. Travel with these two longtime friends, Jimbo and 80s E, as they attempt to explore the fifth dimension. Follow along with them as they take the key and unlock the door to the vast space between shadow and substance. This podcast is one of trivia, of insight, and of sounds and ideas from one of the greatest television shows ever produced. You are embarking on a timeless journey. There is your signpost up ahead. You are entering the tragedy of cinema's Twilight Zone. Alright guys, we have made it once again to our favorite time of the year, the Tragedy Awards for the Twilight Zone series. I'm your host Jimbo. And once again here in the Southern Layer for our season 2 wrap, this is 80Z greeting all of you on the eve of, when this comes out, it'll be later, but we actually are recording on the eve of Thanksgiving, so I am giving thanks for all of you great listeners and we finally made it to the end of season two, and now we're going to give our. Oh, we've got several categories, but the main category is our top ten list, which we like favorites. to just come right out of the gate. Yeah. Do. So, so you want to start? Well, let me go ahead. Yeah, you got something. Go I, ahead. I just got some preliminaries. It's it's just summer reruns. Actually, I was kind of surprised that they just repeated season one during the summer of 1961 after the completion of season two. Um, they just reran season one. I was surprised they didn't rerun uh, season two episodes, uh, but they just did season one again. That's basically all I. Because it's, it's better. That's all I have as far as uh, pre preambles. Was, was it the same ones they ran the first? Yeah, in the exact same order. Hmm. Yeah. Where is everybody on June 9th, nineteen sixty one? I won't belabor you with going through all of them again. And they all had sponsors like Colgate, Liggett, and Myers. And they, yeah, they they picked those top. I can't remember exactly what number, what the number they landed with, but yeah, they. I went back and I matched it up with the end of season one reruns, and they they're pretty much the the same. All right, here we go. Eric. Who's going first? We're, we're going coin? just like we did last time. You you go first. So Eric, let's start off our top ten favorite episodes opinionated uh for season two of the twilight so so eric kick me off with your number 10 or your honorable mention if you want (laughs) i know you have one i haven't decided yet this is going to be i know no 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 uh the best actor category when we i'm still on the fence i'm just gonna literally i have a coin here somewhere in my bag i was just gonna flip a coin and who whatever it landed on but i don't know maybe i'll just make a decision but for number 10 Number 10 in our top 10 best episodes, I went with Night of the Meek. And it was, uh, the production date for that was December 23rd, 1960. And of course, it starred Art Carney as Henry Corwin, John Fielder as good old Mr. Dundee, the the store uh, manager, and uh, Robert P. Labe as Flaherty. If you remember, I'll just give you a brief plot summary of... Henry Corwin is a down-and-outer who normally is unemployed and who definitely drinks too much, and every year he works as a department store Santa Claus. This year, however, he spent just a little too much time in the bar and is quite drunk by the time he shows up for work. He's fired, of course, and deeply regrets that he what he has done. In fact, Henry has a big heart and worries not only about the children uh, in his neighborhood, but, but he's uh, worried about the children and disappointed at the store, um, but... 
uh, he's about all those children who did not get what they've asked for for Christmas. That's what really upsets him the most. And when he comes across a large bag of gifts, everything changes for the kids and for himself as well. I just I know it's a videotaped episode. My reasoning is I just thought Art Carney gave a brilliant performance. I think in that episode we cited that he, pl- uh, someone had said maybe it was Jackie Gleason that said he played the best drunk on screen drunk acting drunk when you're sober of any actor uh it just touches the heart it's probably not a traditional christmas episode but i put it at number 10 and also i stuck in a little (coughs) pardon me trivia for this i went back and i looked at imdb scores and i matched them up with how we were ranking them so for imdb this one ranked as the number 11 episode uh, for season two, so not far off for me. It didn't make the top ten IMDb, but it made my top ten. So, Jimbo, please tell me what's your number ten. All right, Eric. Nah, I told you we were we were messaging last night. I said this thing has changed about forty times since I've been sitting here because yeah. it was hard to narrow it down to just ten. But it, I also listened, went back and listened to our closing remarks on almost all of these. Mm-hmm. So, based upon that, my number 10 is going to surprise you because it, it surprised me. But number 10, a most unusual camera. Oh. I really think that that was um, one of the times that when the Twilight Zone tried to do comedy, it worked. It was comedy, but it wasn't over-the-top comedy. Um, I think the acting was really great, how they used the camera to make all those horse racing bets, how to change their lives. Hey, look, it's your brother Frank you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> or whoever, and he shows up at the door. Um, I think that uh, it's just well done. It's a right. nice story, um, and it, it has that awesome Twilight Zone twist when the the, the yeah. uh, butler or whatever's like, or the bellboy's like, yeah. "Oh look, there's Ford out there." Ford, <laughs> he looks over and he falls out too. Right. So I thought it was really great, and that was um, uh, episode ten of season two. So that was my number ten. All right, not a bad pick. Um. So I'll move along to number nine. My pick for number nine is A Penny for Your Thoughts. Was came in at number nine. And uh, IMDB scored it at number ten. So again, we were I was like one off. So number nine for me, uh, number ten on IMDB. Of course, the cast for that, uh, the leading role goes to Dick York as Hector B. Poole and June Dayton as Helen Turner. And Dan Tobin as E.M. Bagby. And uh, Cyril Delavanti as L.J. Smithers. Just to highlight your top few actors. And uh, just for a reminder for our listeners. um, The the plot of this episode basically is um, Dick York who plays Hector Poole. um, He tosses a penny into a box. Right? And... um, it stands on its edge and mm-hmm. it's like one in a million um, type odds. And then Hector has the ability to read people's minds and he can read their thoughts. And he has a love interest, Helen, in the bank where he works. And uh, comedy uh, slash mayhem ensues. And um, he's able to uh, hear and see. I just, uh, yeah, I just thought. Um, you know that Dick York did a great job in that uh, particular episode. Um, it it was a feel good type episode, right? And uh, him and his love interest they, they they both 
have sort of romantic feelings for each other. They're, they're co-workers. And uh, that finally is revealed. And it sort of has like a, a happy ending type story at the end. And then the, the voices sort of go away at the end. And so not much more to say on that. I, I just thought it was a feel-good story. I thought it was pretty well acted. And I liked the, the idea uh, of it. And there, I, I can't really think of... There isn't a really a big Twilight Zone twist other than the... He basically thwarts a bank robbery uh, at the end of, well, a, a presumed bank robbery by one of the elder employees. Right. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was. A, I thought it was a good. And episode. what episode was that? <clears throat> Pardon me. Oh, if anybody wants to go back and watch it, um, that is episode number sixteen in season okay. two. Well, here's another one that's going to surprise you, Eric. Um, number nine for me. Will the real Martian please stand up? Um, I think it is a great whodunit type of mystery that forms out in the little diner, uh, in the style of Clue, if you will. Uh, who is the alien? Um, the small group of actors and actresses that they have right there is, is all together. It makes you believe that any one of them could be the alien. And what about Jack Elam's performance as the person that was the red herring, um, where everybody thought that he was yeah, the that Martian? Was good. That was, was good. good. Um, and I like the... Uh, the cook, the owner of the diner, if you will. And it's one of the only times that we've seen so far with the train of Willoughby and probably this one where it has a double twist. Not only is there one alien, there's two. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I thought it was really well done. It's one that I personally enjoyed. I thought it was really great. So that was episode 28, which we'd recently covered. Um, So I thought that was really good too. So number eight, Eric, number eight for me would be episode number seven in season two. Your favorite. Tell me Nick it's not. Time. Tell me it's not. I knew. Did my, I call it? I told you. My favorite <laughs> William Shatner, the the main character. Uh, you know this this one aired on November the eighteenth, nineteen sixty. Let me give you a little bit of a plot. Uh, so it's William Shatner. It's Patricia Breslin as Don and Pat Carter, and Don and Pat Carter are on their honeymoon when their car breaks down in the small town of Ridgeview, Ohio. They have a few hours to spare while their car is being repaired and spend time in a diner. There they find a fortune-telling machine, a game where you can ask a question, and for a penny, the machine will spit out an innocuous answer. When the machine apparently begins to predict events, Don's promotion at work, a near accident on the street outside, a superstitious Don becomes infatuated with the device threatening his marriage and his future with his sue his newlywed wife Pat. I thought it was great. I thought the idea behind it was great. The Mystic Seer thing was cool. Uh, I know you you're sitting over there. <laughs> Go ahead. No, it's your it's your <laughs> list. I'm not rating on your. <laughs> I already told you there's Shatner and none of his none of it. That episode will be yeah, in my any of my well, list. So I just let you know I have none of that. So yeah, I just. Uh, I thought it was uh, a great episode. It actually rank, it came in on IMDb ranked number five, and I have it at number eight. So there are a lot of people out there that think it's pretty good. You are not one of them. I am not. However, go back and listen to our coverage of it, yeah, and you'll it, find out I, why. Yeah, I just I I just enjoyed that episode. So uh, that'll be it for number eight. Uh, number eight for you, Jimbo. Number eight. What could go wrong? When you have a genie and three wishes in the Twilight Zone. That's right. The man in the bottle. That's surprising. Yes. Uh, This was, um, I believe, was episode two of season two. 
Um, you know, I, I told Eric, I said, I was battling. There was ones I wanted to plug in, but if I'm going based off of my own enjoyment and listening to our conversations, of the, re-listening to the podcast, mm-hmm. I think that the old man and his wife in this, uh, the cinematography where he breaks the glass with the broom handle, mm-hmm. and then at the end it's made. Um, but also I like how... <laughs> Rod took a direct jab at the Nazis and Hitler in this episode. Yeah. And um, I, I, I kind of wonder how that really came across because World War II hadn't been over for, for very long. Like yeah. I'm saying, that's probably not as long as like now. Years. Maybe that's that's even longer than 9 11 is for us right mm-hmm. now. And, you know, you talk about that and see how emotional we get. But if you're doing this, I really wondered how that affected the community when oh, that yeah. happened too. Because I, that, you know, you say, man, that's a long time ago. But then you put it in perspective, World War II was. Freshly right. over, mm-hmm. so that's why I chose the man in the bottle, and I thought the genie did great in that too. So there we go. All right, number on, seven. Eric. On to number seven. I picked a hundred yards over the rim, which was episode number twenty-three in season two, and this starred uh, Cliff Robinson as Christian Horn. And by the way, just just reading up, I don't know if it was in your re- reference material or maybe I found it. Just the amount of notes and the reams of binders that uh, Cliff Robinson, the the amount of painstaking uh, research that he mm-hmm. did in in order to uh, you know produce his role, like that that alone, like that made me want to rank this one really high. And I thought he did really well as Christian Horn, uh, John uh, John Crawford, excuse me, as Joe uh, Evans Evans as Mary Lou. Uh, which was his wife in the episode, and then Edward Platt as the doctor, uh, Dr. Platt in the episode. And by way of a brief plot summary for this episode, uh, Christian Horn's a member of a 1847 wagon train headed west, and they are 1,500 miles from St. Louis and are now in the New Mexico desert. Many in the wagon train are ready to turn back, but Chris wants everyone to persevere. His son has had a fever for 11 days, and Chris goes off looking for water only 100 yards or so from the others and suddenly finds himself in the present day. He can't quite bring himself to believe uh, what he sees or where he is, but those he meets believe he is a man from the past. The trip in time does have one positive outcome, and you got to watch the episode to see what the positive outcome is. I love the time travel episodes. I love this one. I thought it was well done. I, I like the... Uh, I guess the prominence of the rugged American spirit that it brought out in the episode and, and how this country was forged by a lot of brave people that crossed a lot of miles in very harsh conditions. And uh, yeah, I just, I liked a lot about the episode. I thought it was well acted. And of course I love the time travel and I'll wrap this one with this a hundred yards over the rim came in at number eight on imdb so it it was in the top 10 so jimbo tell me what your number my number seven a hundred yards over the rim oh we lined up on this one yes um i my thoughts on this was the shows uh the length that a man would go to save his son's life has that time travel element where he steps through to the present (laughs) day come to find out by doing so not only does he save his son's life but he goes on to find cure for multiple diseases and is a very famous doctor which is episode 23. I agree with you on everything you said. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely definitely one of the best. of the. Definitely deserves to be in the top ten for sure. All right. 
number six, Eric. Here we go. This do we get down to the nitty gritties? And I don't. Number six. I don't think we're going to agree at all. With maybe number one six of them <laughs> is going to throw you, maybe. But I went with long distance call. Ah. Another ep- uh, videotape episode. I know how we railed on the videotape episode. I don't know why these are so many of them are in my top ten list, but this was episode number twenty two of season uh, two. Um, it. Uh, let me give you a little bit of plot for this one, if I can pull it up. Um, the plot of this episode is Billy Bales loves his grandma Bales and likes nothing uh, and likes the present she has given him, a toy telephone, which he says will allow them to communicate forever. Grandma Bales is ill, however, and soon dies, but Billy claims he can speak to her in their spe- on their special telephone. When he tells his parents that she wants him to join her wherever she's gone to they pay him no mind when he throws himself in front of the neighbor's car however it all gets deadly serious this has a really good twist at the end i thought grandma bales's performance uh by lily darvis uh, was great and of course bill moomy he's uh you know child actor extraordinaire the the topic matter and the subject matter that they deal with on you know, primetime TV and a young boy basically committing suicide. I thought that that was very uh, edgy. It was edgy, mm-hmm. controversial. Uh, you know, all of those things come come to mind when I think about the episode. Is the cinematography great because it's a videotape? Not really. I think that could have been loads better. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought it was it was ominous and it was a good episode. So that's why I put it at number six. All right. Eric, here we go. These, this is where we're gonna start parting ways, I believe. Oh, uh, sorry. By by way, uh, long distance call for IMDb comes in at number fourteen, so it didn't make the top ten. My number six is the Howling Man. Um, <laughs> I, I really think that the scenery was exceptional. The the, the whole monastery and the monks, if you will, um, that it's it's on point. Um, it's very creepy. Uh, the shadow and light in that is fantastic, and. The transformation scene of the prisoner to the devil is on is one of the best special effects of the season uh, of the series so mm, far. You're going to make me change mine. <laughs> well, I mean, do you, am I not wrong? Was that not a great transformation? It, it, it was. It was probably revolutionary too for right. the day. Um, so I, I just think, uh, and at the end, there's a little bit of the comedic twist or a what if, right. you know, where the the what you don't let him out, you let him, and it has a little shepherd hook on the door. Yeah, that really hung you up. Didn't it? The little shepherd. The, why they yeah. have the little shepherd hook just, everywhere? They're just, they're just you really, thought there should have been one main shepherd's hook, like that like the staff him. of Moses or something, you right? Know I mean? Right. right. Uh, yes, but that is episode five, the Howling Man. So, or sorry, yeah, it was episode five, but it was my number six. Right, episode number five, season two. All right, Eric, your number six, halfway there, baby. And my number five, top five, baby. Oh no, <laughs> this is number six on IMDb. The Howling Man comes really? in yeah, number hey. five for me. I, I thought it was great as well. This is uh, John Carradine and H. M. Winant as David Ellington. And Robin Hughes, his eyes, Robin Hughes' eyes, I don't know what it was. They, yep. they, they were so innocent, and yet his story was so believable. Uh, Robin Hughes is playing the, the devil or the howling man. So the plot of that episode is David Ellington recounts a story. Maybe that's why it edged so high in my thoughts, too, is because it was based on a true story. But 
uh, one that began just after the end of World War One. He was hiking in Europe when he sought refuge in an abbey during a violent rainstorm. The residence is located, uh, excuse me, the residence is isolated, and its head brother, Jerome, tells him he cannot stay. Ellington is ill, however, and during his short stay meets someone who is being kept prisoner and howls continually and and throughout the night. Ellington believes the howling man is being kept there for no good reason, but Brother Jerome tells him of the man's true nature. The decision Ellington makes will haunt him for the rest of his life. And will you give us the a complimentary howl that you gave in the episode? Oh! <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was a fun episode for us to record, too. That that was, uh, I think that might have been our uh, Halloween special. Like, of course, it was like two, two years, years ago. ago. <laughs> but, uh, right, so Howling Man, we've said enough about it. Uh, season 2, Episode 5, it came in at number 6 on IMDb. Hey, so I hit that one right on, right yeah, on we, there. We were kind of, we, we did good on that one. So, moving on, Jimbo, number 5. All right, Eric, you? my number 5 is one that you just hated to pieces. <laughs> uh, but is it is... A classic episode, the Invaders. The, Invaders. the one woman woman performance by Agnes Moorhead is one of cinematic masterpieces. Um, I love the story. I love the twist at the end. I think it is fantastic. Um, it grows on you, um, you know. Oh, we're in the land of giants, <laughs> you know. Then she destroys their flying saucer. Mm-hmm. But yes, that is episode fifteen, the the invaders. No dialogue in that episode, by the way, except for the astronauts. The in- oh, okay, yeah, and Rod's intro. Right. If you want to count that. Number All four, right. Eric. We're, we're to number four already. Uh, number four for me is the one we just completed, episode twenty nine of season two, the obsolete man. All right, and for IMDb, it comes in at number three. So if you have just listened to The Obsolete Man before this episode, I won't belabor you with the plot again. But uh, for all of the reasons that we talked about in the episode, um, you know, just the the fact that the social commentary on the, the governments and oppression and the fact that um, it was just a large subject matter. Uh, I thought the the shadow and light in that episode were great too, from a, a cinematography point of view, and all of the things that Jimbo you referenced the the sets themselves, uh, the 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 largeness enormity of the doors in the set that had never been done on television before. I think you said in the, in our previous podcast, and uh, uh, Burgess Meredith. Obviously, he can't win best, or can he? He can't win best <laughs> actor every year. But uh, I thought he uh, did very well, and uh, yeah. So for all those reasons, just see previous podcasts, and you'll get a better in depth of reason of why we both liked or didn't like, or kind of liked that episode. But yeah, uh, my number four was the obsolete man. Moving on, my number four, the silence. Um, it shows how far one man will go to prove his point by slicing his own vocal cords to say silent for a year to win a bet. Uh, it's a powerful episode where not only does he lose his vocal cords, he also loses his wife, his family, but he also loses the bet because the person that made it was a total fraud. Right. Um, and, and you can't help but feel sorry for the guy, um, which was episode 25. So my number four was The Silence. All right. my We're moving on to number three. 
so number three is episode number 26 of season two, entitled Shadow Play. Uh, stars Dennis Weaver as Adam Grant, Harry Towns as Henry Ritchie, Wright King as Paul Carson, uh, just to name the top few uh, actors in that episode. So Shadow Play comes in at number seven on IMDb's list. Uh, just by way of a plot, when Adam Grant is found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced, he lashes out telling everyone uh, that he will not be murdered again. Grant claims uh, to be having a reoccurring nightmare where he is found guilty and executed. The characters around him change, and so he argues that all of them will vanish if he dies. It leads to newspaperman Paul Carson to question what is real and what might just be a figment of someone's, uh, someone else's imagination. D.A. Henry Ritchie visits Grant in jail and decides to try and do something about his claims, no matter how far-fetched his claims might be. I really thoroughly enjoyed this episode, not only for the fact that it's a great episode, but Kyle joined in on that one, uh, that particular episode, and I enjoyed that a lot. He brought a lot of questions and observations and different, you know, we, we if I remember correctly, we had a lot of different scenarios and uh, we inter- interwove those with different movies that have maybe a similar theme. And we thought maybe it was a draft or two. You guys kind of thought maybe it was a draft or two short of maybe being really good uh, because there were a few plot holes that you kind of brought to light. But overall, I, uh, yeah, the shadow and the light, and um, they do really well on the, on that aspect of it. And the, the, the whole idea that you're caught in a loop uh, a dream, if you will, or a reoccurring nightmare. That theme always resonates, usually with not only myself but others. And I thought it was a really well done episode. So, Jimbo, what's your number three? All right, Eric, buckle up. <clears throat> so I told you this changed and changed and changed, but there's one episode of this season that I kept coming back to and realized it was better and better and better each time I watched it, and it got better. Okay. That is The Trouble with Templeton. This was a powerful performance. It was amazing use of light and shadows. The story's on point. The acting, the cinematography, everything about this episode is fantastic. The links, the pain that the guy went through knowing that his wife had died earlier in life, seeing his new wife running around with the cabana pool boy, mm. uh, and then when he does the little time travel where he goes back, and his wife and his friends are at that mm-hmm. bar scene, and she says, look, you got to go back. You don't belong here. Mm-hmm. And she was kind of mean to him. And if you remember that scene where she's sitting there telling him that, and it goes to black all the way around her, and it's just her. And you can tell that she's crushed, but she knows it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And when he comes back, I think that showed the greatest heart and promise of season two. I, I, I just I had to put it in there. So, All right. number three, The Trouble with Templeton was, was episode nine. Episode number nine. I have to go back and watch that one again because that one I just skimmed right over that one. Do you remember it now that we're talking yeah, about Oh, it? yeah. I remember the episode and I remember that scene specifically that you're referencing. I, I remember saying, I think at the time, that that was really a moving uh, scene. All right. We're up to number two. Is that right? Yeah. Number two for me was episode number 25. The Silence, as mentioned by Jimbo already. It gets an IMDb score of a 4, so it made the top 5 of Season 2, according to IMDb. Uh, Starring Jamie Tennyson, he's an overly talkative member of a men's private club. 
And when a, he's challenged by a fellow member, Archie Taylor, to keep his mouth shut for one year, should he do so, he would win $500,000. And as Jimbo said before, uh, there's really a kind of a double twist in this one, too. Almost uh, a triple the, twist. <laughs> right. The vocal cords are cut out. He lost his wife. He lost his wife, if that if that was true, what uh, or Taylor was telling him. But then he lost the, the money as well. He, the, Taylor couldn't pay up. He, he was broke. So that was an, a memorable um, episode. Neither one of them proved to be honorable in their uh, bet or their wager. And the glass case and how all of that was shot with... You know the the history behind uh, what was it, Franchon Tomei, Tomei, mm-hmm. the guy who had fell, his face. And his face got yeah. all messed up, and so they had to shoot everything from the opposite side. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just that in itself, that little piece of trivia right there, just boosts it a lot in my mm-hmm. mind. So I agree. I like the the silence. I ranked it at number two for season two. All right, Eric, my number two <laughs> was this a hard one? No, not really. It's a personal favorite. Okay. Um, and that is back there. This is where uh, the guy time travels back into history to the night that Lincoln was uh, going to be assassinated and has a run-in with none other than John Wilkes Booth. Right. Uh, which always leads me to the question, um, makes you wonder, if you could time travel, how would you or could you change history if you could change something in the past? Because as we've learned from Back to the Future, changing something in the past affect something in the future so if he would have saved lincoln that night who knows how that would have shaped america with everything the laws and everything going forward um so yes that is a personal uh favorite of mine since i like history i think that's definitely a personal favorite for mine from season two which was episode 13 all right that's uh that did give us the trouble <laughs> number one episode for season two for me is episode number six eye of the beholder takes the number one spot for me in season two it's ranking in imdb is number one as well so let me give you a plot uh summary i think we're probably going to overlap on this one (laughs) so i'll just give the plot and then jimbo you can take it from there and tell me what you loved what you uh you know why it's uh so great in your heart and mind so well you assume i have it at number one i'm I'm gonna i think i'm pretty safe on my assumption i think 2022 could be oh all right well so janet tyler is in the hospital having undergone treatment to make her look normal it's her 11th trip to the hospital for treatment and she is desperate to look like everyone else some of her earliest childhood memories are of people uh, looking away horrified by her appearance her bandages will soon come off and she can only hope that this her last treatment will have done the trick if not her doctor has told uh, has told her she will be segregated with a colony of similar looking people all that to say that truth is truly in the eye of the beholder so it's great it's great it's great the, the gravelly <laughs> voice of Maxine Stewart as Janet Tyler under the bandages and then of course Donna Douglas as the revealed Janet Tyler awesome twist I mean one of the greatest Twilight Zone twists of all time Jimbo I don't have any more to say it speaks well, hey, my number one obviously is the eye of the beholder um, this is one of the cornerstone foundations of the Twilight Zone. This is the episode you show somebody that has never watched an episode right. of the Twilight Zone to get them sucked in. 
Um, there, to take something so minimal of the use of lighting with a woman wrapped in bandages and kept you mesmerized for a whole 30 minutes is truly remarkable. This is definitely one of the best episodes of all time. It will definitely make it in the top 10 at the end of this whole series. This will be in the top 10, I guarantee you. For sure. I don't know where it's going to land, but I'm definitely going to put it there for sure. So that's uh, episode six. Yeah. Now, moving on to the wah, 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 if you will, Eric. Give me the little wah, wah. <laughs> All right. There you go. The three worst episodes of season two. And I'll start this one off, Eric. That way we have a little difference. Gives you a little break. Sure. Number three. The, the third worst one uh, I picked, Dust. I just couldn't get into that episode at all. It shows some promise, but... It just didn't get it right. I didn't care about the, the guy that put sand in the bag and sold it to the poor guy. I didn't care about the guy in jail. I didn't care about who was getting hanged. I didn't care about anybody. And see, the cops agree with me because they're here getting somebody or the ambulance. <laughs> but I'm just saying it was just so terrible. I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah. Number three for me uh, was Mr. Dingle the Strong, episode 19. It was corny. We talked at <laughs> length about how the Twilight Zone tries to do comedy. I know we're beating a dead horse. Uh, horse, uh, like, yeah, it just, yeah, it just didn't do it for me. It was one of the, it came, it ranked near the bottom for me in season two. Uh, number two for me, uh, Mr. Dingle the Strong. As much as I love a good goofy comedy and the Three Stooges and Burgess <laughs> Meredith, Twilight Zone, you should just have to stay away from comedy. I personally enjoy this episode because I know what I'm getting with it. It's over the top, it's corny, it's superhero-ish. Um, but if you if you're putting up against the rest of the season, it doesn't add up. It just can't be up there in the top ten or even halfway, and it just pains me to have to say that. So, Mister Dingle the Strong, it's going to pain you for me to say this, but uh, number two is episode number fifteen, The Invaders. I just could not get behind this episode as much as I tried to like it. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I I know that. Uh, it's a fan favorite. It actually came in at number nine on IMDb, so it made the top ten in their rankings, and I completely concede that. It's probably just a personal thing. I just I can't even take it away from the acting, as you'll see later. That the acting was superb. I I said it at the time and I'll say it again. I just the no dialogue just threw me and it just I, I just couldn't get with it. So the invaders for number two. All right, my number one and probably the worst episode of The Twilight Zone so far in any of the season has to go to The Whole Truth. The only thing worse than this guy selling lemon cars to people would be for me to sit through this episode again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let uh, me say that again for those of you that didn't hear yeah, it because Eric was clapping. Oh, sorry. Go the ahead. only thing hear. worse than this guy selling lemon cars to people would be for me to sit through that episode again. <laughs> <laughs> walk it, walk it. Yeah, it was awful. That's my number one on episode <laughs> hey! number 14. It was the worst. I think actually on IMDb, I have written here, it was tied with the thing about machines. It got a 6.4 score. The the whole uh, Nikita Khrushchev references and the... <laughs> Definitely it, of its time. It was just... Cringe. It was out there. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh, or the guy, you know, he comes under a spell and he has to tell the truth. And it, it just, it's because of that car. Remember the right, right. The the car. It's just it wasn't. Yeah, uh, I had trouble when we reviewed it. And yeah, so let's just move on from that one. All right, Eric. We're moving on to the best actor award, which you said you've struggled with. 
So yeah. Eric, give me your one and only one. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give you my one because I don't. It's not fair that Burgess Meredith wins every year for obsolete <laughs> man again uh, for season two as he did season one. So I'm going to go with Art Carney and Night of the Meek just because. The history of the honeymooners. I like Art Carney. I think he was he could he was just like I don't know. He was the early man's uh, Jim Carrey. He he was you know he was television personified. I guess in the in the fifties and sixties. I thought he played a a great drunk Santa Claus, and his uh, commentary. Uh, what what is it when he uh, like right in the middle of that episode he. Uh, the, the monologue really that he gives in the middle of the episode just it's it just goes right to your heart uh when he's talking to, he's a down and outer guy it just really got to me and uh almost get you know get emotional there's a santa claus that loves little kids and you know the the theme behind that episode and how he played that and he's a down and outer poor guy he just wants to bring some joy to some people uh, yeah, that really hit me in his performance. So I, I'm going to give him the best actor over Burgess since Burgess got best actor in season one from both of us. So go ahead, Jimbo. Tell well, me who's since your... you got two, I'll give an honorary mention because I asked you. I said, "Hey, the the guy outside the jail cell, the bad guy in the silence." I said, "Is he considered a main actor or or a, a supporting actor?" Yeah. Um, so I'm... I I think you can say he's the star of the show. I think there's two main stars. Right. So. Um, I want to give an honorable mention to him because I really thought he did an outstanding performance. But my best actor for the season goes to Brian Ahern, who played Booth Templeton. Uh, the performance he gave as a washed-up theater actor who longs for his dead wife and happier times, and it's, it's, it's head and shoulders above anything in season two. Um, and I went back and I watched several of these just to make sure my, my feelings and thoughts were, mm-hmm. were things. So I, I need you to go back and watch that and let me know what you think. But it's definitely, definitely top tier. All right. So best actress in an episode? I'm going to go with Agnes Moorhead, The Invaders. I can't. It's undeniable for me. I, I, it was brilliantly acted by her. I don't think anyone, I mean, really comes close. Um she the, the the fact that she emoted all of those uh, you know those emotions without saying one word of dialogue says a lot so yeah without further ado best actress for me goes to agnes moorhead for the invaders season two well that's that's ironic because my best actress of the uh season two is agnes moorhead from <laughs> the invaders Legendary performance with no speaking roles. That's all I had to yeah, say. Yeah. My, 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 my thought is, was there ever another leading lady in season two? Um, you know, as I was looking over, th- there wasn't really a, a, a female. I mean, I guess you could say, uh, now the, the episode's going to slip my mind, Jaina, who was the robot, you could say she was the leading I guess. role, I guess. I can't remember what the title of that episode was. It slipped my mind. That almost made my top ten list. Yeah. That was so really good. maybe you could put her in, um, but not a bad choice, Agnes Moorhead. Okay. Uh, Best supporting actor in an episode? Now, I'm going to maybe bend the rules a little bit here because you just said you just said they were co-starring roles. So, best support. They were supporting each other. I'm going to go with Fran- <laughs> Franchon Tonet and Liam Sullivan in The Silence. They played off each other. That was just brilliant. Those guys. You can't. That's not a supporting role, man. It is. They support, they're main stars of the they're, episode. They're, they're co-main stars. Then they should That's, have been co-best co actors. That's what I'm going then. with. You just got to deal with it. <laughs> 
Francho, Francho, Tone, and Liam Sullivan oh. in the silence. And I gave an honorable mention. Here's my honor, honorable mention to John Carradine in The Howling Man. So I thought he played a good, uh, what was his name, Moses or not Moses, it was... Uh, Ephraim or something, I don't yeah, remember. it was a, a biblical name. Yeah. He was a shepherd. Um, well, my best supporting actor, I gave it to Jack Elam as Avery and Will the Real Martian Please Stand Up. Okay. I think... He defines a supporting character, uh, a smaller role, but a memorable role, and just crazy looking, and and it did a really well job, a good job. So mm-hmm. uh, he played the role so good, you really thought he was a Martian. <laughs> <laughs> so Eric, who, who are you giving the best supporting actress? Best award? supporting actress goes to Lily Darvis in Long Distance Call, the old lady. I thought she played a really the good, the dying grandmother. And the fact that she was so sinister. And I guess for me personally, the fact that she was so sweet and loving to Billy in the beginning, but yet in her afterlife, she Creepy. tried to get him to commit suicide, to a little five-year-old her. boy to be with her. That I went from maybe liking her to absolutely despising her by the end of the episode. So for those reasons, I, I give it to Lily Darvis in Long Distance Call. Um, my best actress, I gave to Pippa Scott. Uh, she played Laura Templeton in The Trouble with Templeton. She wins this just for a small, basically cameo role, if you will, less than five minutes probably. Uh, but it's a lasting memorable one where the camera fades to black and she tells Booth to go home that he doesn't belong there yet. That scene alone, we, we you know the scene I'm talking about, just stuck with me the entire, you know, I go back and I think, who did anything better? I, yeah. I can't really think of anybody. So... That's who wins my... You, you can tell I'm a big fan of The Trouble with Templeton after yeah. all this. So, yeah. All right, Eric. The best cinematography or effect, use of special effect? I'm going to say for use of light and shadow, best center for cinematography, I'm going to go with shadow play. It's in the name. So I thought that the the long corridor and the, the walk through the execution and how they use the shot, shadow and the light and the cutting scenes, like how they went from the stakes to the jail and the cutting back and forth and the courtroom scene, uh, the light and shadow and how, uh, you know, that perspective of cinematography I thought was really well done in shadow play. So right. that was my choice. So the, the best cinematography effect I went with goes to the eye of the beholder. Okay. Um, the yep. use of light and shadow in that episode, yep. because you never see the doctor's faces, it's mm-hmm. always pitch black. I think they did really well job to hide the effect that they are really ugly looking. Yep. And uh, I think it stands out head above the rest. Honorable mention to the transformation in the Howling Man. Oh yeah, uh, has to go as one of the best effects of the season as well. But I think the Eye Beholder as the whole episode was probably better. <laughs> and now we come to the worst effect. <laughs> oh, is that next worst? Effect? <laughs> the worst effect. <laughs> okay, the worst. Uh, oh well, I have I have best effect in an episode and the worst effect in an episode. Uh, yeah, we worst may, our categories might have gotten crossed over, but my worst effect uh, are all the feats of strength and Mister Dingle the Strong. I thought Come on, throwing man. the football. That's not and lifting that. Those are special effects but in the not chair. Worst. They're terrible. What do you mean? They're awful. Him I, throwing dude. the ball through the window and the guy falling off the ladder. So how's that any different? Than, and lifting the park that, bench. How's that any different than Christopher Reeve kicking a football <laughs> to outer space back in the eighties? Lifting 80s. the park bench over his head. It's awesome. It's, it's comedy. That's dumb. That no, I'll horrible. tell you what was terrible. What was terrible was the mind and the matter. Those terrible masks that were in the elevator, man. They don't even look like the guy. <laughs> that is terrible. Is that your worst uh, special? Yes, event? worst. All right. All right. My. Uh, you want to do your best, or you want me to do my best? Well, my I think my best is going to be the Halloween. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
The Howling I, I, I did that as my best. Light and Shadow was for okay. Eye Beholder. Your best effect was the, the Howling okay, Moon So my best effect is is also the probably the most expensive special effect was the dinosaur in Fight. <laughs> I knew it. The claymation uh, dinosaur. It was it, really I expensive. T- I tossed that around forever yeah, about, yeah. should I put so, that there? All right, I think we're coming down to the last... Right category, right? Best prop? Which no, we best? got two. Oh, okay. Um, I might have to Yeah, the, the most coveted prop from season two. Eric, what do you got? The Mystic Seer from Nick of Time. You've got to be kidding me. You could buy it online. You could buy it on uh, eBay, I think. No, we do it. not need this in the museum here. <laughs> um, I have an honorable mention. Okay. Uh, was the John Wilkes Booth handkerchief from back there. I think that'd be cool. A little keepsake. Uh, oh, okay. But the most coveted prop, I think, would be the camera from A Most Unusual Camera because it not only appears in this episode or I that episode, about that one it too. appears in several episodes. Yeah, I so. thought about that one too, though. And last but not least, Eric, what is the best Twilight Zone twist for season two? I got to go with Eye of the Beholder as the best twist. That's I mean, what I have. That was too. a good one because I didn't write that down. I was off the cuff. You're the one that sent it to me. That's oh, what I was was like. it? oh, right. I did. Yeah. Um,. <laughs> Ta-da! Probably the reason why I sent that as a category is because this one stuck out in my, in my mind. Was the Eye of Beholder was a yeah, it's a great twist. Yeah, uh, where all the ugly people rule the world and the beautiful people are considered outcast. I thought that was really well done yeah. too. So there you have it. That is our wrap up of season two, the Tragedy Awards. Uh, please email us, message us, give us your top ten of season two. Tell us where we were right. Tell us where we were wrong. Uh, or if we totally missed something, Eric, it's the, that time of the year to. Number one, it's the holidays, but season three, baby, we're, we're trudging right along. Hopefully, it won't take us a whole another two years to get through season three. Uh, our goal is to start recording here shortly and maybe kick off the new year with a bang. Right. Uh, yeah, and try not to have any lapses in time this time is we, what we're going to try to. We did a really good job of being consistent uh, in the earlier months of 2023. So, yeah, we'll... we'll you know, a lot of times life gets in the way. We we can't do it, but uh, we, we we're going to do our best to try to stay on a schedule for season number three. But uh, yeah, appreciate you, and uh, we had a great time with season two. And if you don't, you have anything else you want to? Just until next time, from the fifth dimension, this show's coming to a close, and that's a wrap. All right, this is a season two wrap for the tragedies and cut. Where's the after party?